Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you being with us and listening in. This is episode 33 of season five. And we are looking at this idea of finding new ways to deliver content with a focus on the film and entertainment industry in Hollywood, uh, which is really when you're talking about content distribution and getting content to people, whether that be film or series or documentaries or what have you, uh, it's usually been done, you know, obviously through streaming, which is the sort of the new apparatus, if you will. And prior to that, it was traditional theatrical releases. And of course, a new idea is potentially the use of AI. And uh, there was a great article in the Hollywood Reporter recently talking about sort of ethical uses of AI. And I highly recommend that you check out the article because it kind of gives an interest, interesting perspective when it comes to uh, sort of AI and uh, how that might work uh, when it comes to the distribution of content or uh, in, in some slight ways, the creation of content. And I think that's that sort of intersection is where uh, we're going to focus on today uh, in this podcast in terms of looking at, you know, where are the best ways to sort of utilize artificial intelligence and what is the kind of, you know, what, what is the industry looking at, um, you know, sort of when it comes to, um, when it comes to this issue? Well, you know, the first thing is, is, you know, artificial intelligence is definitely a one pathway uh, to explore uh, content distribution. Um, and I, and I sort of think of uh, maybe mapping best practices you know, if you're using ChatGPT or another program or any sort of smart machine, you know, it might, you know, it might ask a question and it might give you some results, you know, some place to look or, or reference. This would be in some ways not any different from you going to Google and searching, you know, some sort of research or having a starting point to your research and then sort of utilizing that, that access to information uh, to develop some sort of pathway, right? Um, obviously AI can provide historical knowledge because it sort of, that's what it, its knowledge is based on, uh, in terms of the collective, you know, human knowledge that is input. And then of course, uh, any future pro uh, progress with data analytics, which is also can be done with artificial intelligence and smart machines, of course, direct to consumer through streaming platforms, it seems to be the wave of the future of entertainment, media, and sports. 
um, as it continues to move away or people continue to move away from traditional cable. But there's also something interesting that came up that I was noticing in an article, again, on Hollywood Reporter uh, about Fremantle Media. So Fremantle Media is a, is a big sort of entertainment company, um, but it's sort of been looking for a new mission and looking for a new way to both uh, produce and uh, distribute content. And Fremantle sort of came up with this idea of why not focus on the right distribution partner at the outset of the filmmaking process to then, de to then determine the budget, right? Determine where to go from there. And that may seem intuitive, but uh, in Hollywood, it's really not. Uh, generally, when a content is produced, I think the idea is, is that it would have a theatrical release and then it would go to a streamer. That's sort of the common process now. But then during COVID, there was this move to sort of shorten the theatrical window because people weren't going to theaters or looking for a way to um, sort of change that process because as the Fremantle CEO had said in uh, some comments to the Hollywood Reporter, was that the process was already changing even prior to COVID. The theatrical window in some sense was not necessarily working because people were utilizing streaming to view content. But I think Fremantle is uh, maybe really smart in this because um, they're looking to sort of creatives and producers to work with studio executives from, you know, from prior to production uh, on where distribution will occur, because I think that will help determine the budget, help determine the process and the outlook of a certain film. Right. So, and I also think what's sort of brilliant by Fremantle and this, this approach is that it sees the future of film and entertainment as one of multiple paths uh, because there really is now, you know, you can, have studio streamers like Netflix and Amazon and Apple Plus. You can have social and open platforms like YouTube, uh, and you can have traditional theatrical releases. And in some sense, you might even have all three, where you've got, you know, your sort of traditional theatrical release, then it moves to a streamer, and then you might have clips or marketing or what have you on a social platform. So it won't be full-length content, but it'll be something. And of course, it, really the growth of distribution options. Uh, is at the heart of the dispute between SAG-AFTRA, uh, WGA, and um, uh, and the AMPTP. Um, you know those sort of major three players in terms of the movie producers, the film studios, um, the actors, the writers, everybody involved. Um, you know when you have more distribution options, the question becomes: Okay, where is payment going, or where it's coming from? Right. And of course, there's also this issue of moving towards podcast. Uh, this is something, this may seem like a situation of the um, uh, the pot calling the kettle black, so to speak, as the old saying goes. Um, but, you know, since we're listening to a podcast, uh, but recently I read an article about Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which of course is the estate of and company of, um, uh, of the late Dr. Seuss. But so you've had all this IP, right? This intellectual property, this content library. And it's like, what do you do with it? And you, know, you can create films, of course, but uh, you can create, you know, um, radio programs, which is sort of a, you know, a, a thing that still occurs, but I think podcasts are, are sort of the radio of, of the sort of present, if you will. Um, but of course, you know, podcasts are interesting. So what happened was Dr. Seuss said, the enterprises sort of group said, Hey, let's, let's sort of create some podcasts from this content. And now they're going to join Wondery kids and family. So uh, Wondery is obviously a big podcast group. 
I frankly think this is a brilliant move. Um, I think I see a lot of content uh, moving towards podcast and you have a situation where, you know, look from a practical standpoint, podcasts cost less and are easier to produce. Um, it's usually a single camera in an office space or some sort of studio. Uh, there are several microphones depending on who's in the room, whether it be one or two guests plus the the host or if there's a co-host or whatever. Uh, and there's little to no movement of the guests. So you're essentially stationary um, in seats. Uh, and then there's even some podcasts without video, uh, which I would venture to say is probably a majority of the podcast is without video. Um, but, you know, that being said, again, this is something that another way to distribute content. I think the paywall um, to obtain podcasts is also generally less expensive than a traditional streamer, especially any ad-based ones that are um, free or what have you, right? Because um, even with ad-based with, you know, um, stream studio streamers like Netflix, you're still paying a fee, right? Whereas with podcast and music, if you have an ad-based platform, it's generally free or less expensive. Of course, you can make the argument that, you know, viewing entertainment con content in terms of film and series might be more valuable, um, you know, and so therefore it's more expensive, or in some cases, like let's say you take, you know, um, a $10 streamer, $11 or $12 streamer, you know, per month uh, for film and entertainment uh, content, um, you know, but then, you know, you have Spotify, which is $10.99 a month, you know, which is worth more. I mean, you know, I think it depends on usage, right? You know, if you're a listener of Spotify and you listen to music on a, on a constant basis, well, hey, you know, you're not going to be watching movies all day long. You can have a you know, music in the background, if you will, uh, more so than you, know, you have a movie in a background or a film and television series. But again, just food for thought. Now, of course, one of the issues with artificial intelligence is that it is unfortunately a double-edged sword of good and bad, right? On the good edge, artificial intelligence makes everything faster and more efficient. On the bad edge, it, it takes away from the freedom to create. And let me break that down a little bit. So if a writer wants to put together a story, normally the writer would sit at their computer or typewriter or have some sort of notepad, take notes and begin to write. Um, but what do you do if you have writer's block? Normally the writer would watch a movie, travel, find another way to be inspired through sort of life experiences, right? But AI offers this sort of incentive to avoid that process. Um, much like, let's say, if you wanted to know information about something, normally you go to the library or you're reading a book or you're asking somebody, you know, now you're sort of just looking at Google and you're, you know, Google searching it. And it's not to put a value on it to say it's a bad thing, but um, sometimes when you skirt the process and you take away the creative process of going through something, of researching that sort of fire and water issue of being challenged, you know, sort of nature versus nurture, being challenged versus nurtured, right? I think that process, there's something to say about that. And there's something to say about life experiences and going through that. Um, and so maybe it's sort of a balanced uh, approach, right? Where you have, you know, access to tools, but you're still going through a process, but it sort of presents this dilemma of, you know, um, artificial intelligence being introduced. And of course, this is another issue at the heart of the SAG-AFTRA and WGA disputes, um, with the studios, right. And sort of how do you, you know, where do you go with this now? Of course, you know, as a creative myself, I love to write, I love to podcast, I love to tell stories. Um, the idea is both scary in terms of making people less relevant, 
um, but maybe harms the creative process. Um, it in many ways makes the process more robotic and not original, uh, which as we talked about last week, creates some copyright protection and, and infringement issues, right? Because you're taking you know, copyrighted information and using it as inputs into the machine learning to create this artificial intelligence, thus the name artificial intelligence, right? It's using real information, but creating different outcomes, right? Uh, different processes, different ways to think about things. So it's can be used as a tool. Um, but I, again, I think to me, I would stand on the point that humans need to set and manage expectations, uses, and consequences of breaking protocol, protocol with, with AI. And I think that needs to be um, at the fore, forefront of any discussions on this. Uh, to me, that's just, I think, a foundational principle, and, and probably most would agree. But, um, you know, we'll sort of see how that plays out. Now, look, I, I think streaming is only going to continue to grow. Uh, the streaming universe it will either continue down at sort of this fractionalization sort of pathway where there's more content on more platforms and more fees, or it'll find ways to coordinate and collaborate to share products and content, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago with uh, and in light of the ESPN and uh, pen, pen deal. And, you know, again, I think the most common consumer complaint that I hear is that there's too many streaming options and more importantly, too many paywalls. Now, I will say, though, that the benefit of fractionalization is that consumers have options, meaning, you know, options sort of lead to competition amongst studio and streamers. And of course, competition means better pricing and content for consumers. And the one thing to think about, this was an idea that I was sort of going around in my head recently, thinking about the SAG-AFTRA and WGA disputes as we come, you know, coming upon months now uh, of there being a strike. And eventually this is going to hit hit home. Um, you know, clearly the people aren't working now, that clearly hits home. But the longer this goes on, the worse that it gets, right? But one thing I was thinking about, you know, with the studios, it's interesting because one of the reasons why they've been able to offer content for such a low price is, is maybe because they haven't had to pay residuals uh, on that content. And of course, as in any business deal, if you increase the price of something, increase the cost of something, um, so let me rephrase that. If you increase the cost of something, it's generally going to increase the price of something. Meaning that comes to us as the consumers, right? As the people who are purchasing. So it's just something to think about. It's not to say that actors and writers shouldn't be paid residuals. I mean, clearly they were paid it in the past with DVDs and you know, are DVDs now the the sort of the, the streaming, you know, option? I, I mean, I think it is. Uh, and in some sense, streaming is taking over the theatrical process too, uh, or at least complementing it. And so I think that um, all these things need to be brought into consideration. And ultimately, you know, if 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 the money is there and, and you know, I, I think the pie should be split in a way that writers and, and actors are getting a piece of that pie. Uh, particularly because they are the, the the lifeblood of the content. They're creating it, they're acting in it, what have you. But that again is at the heart of this. It's it's the sharing of residuals. It's the sort of this artificial intelligence debate, which frankly is occurring in every industry. It's occurring in the legal field. It's occurring everywhere. Uh, business, uh, it, you know, entertainment, doesn't matter. It's occurring in every aspect. It's even occurring in sports in many ways, particularly on the analytics side. 
Now, of course, the question going forward will be what role will artificial intelligence play in streaming? From a business perspective, it helps with efficiency and cost and intelligence to make uh, well-informed decisions. Uh, from a creative perspective, it creates a dilemma potentially without, if there's no regulation or foundational principles about human creating and learning from human intelligence, creative intelligence uh, developed through machine learning. So again, I think regulation and some sort of compromise is probably the key to this. Um, but um, it's definitely going to be a battle going forward. But that all being said, you know, I appreciate you listening in. Again, I'm Jeremy Evans, your host of the California Sports Lawyer Podcast. As always, appreciate you, um, you know, taking the time, spending time with us, and um, and making us number one sports law podcast in the world for three years running. This podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online, and look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.